Welcome to the Aid Station. I'm Chris Robb and today we head down to Canberra in Australia and delighted to catch up with Craig Johns, who is the CEO and founder of an amazing organization called NRG to Perform. Craig wears many hats and uh, in a moment I'll get him to share a little bit about uh, that backstory that's got him to where he is today. But wonderful to see you, Craig. Thanks for making the time. Yeah, Chris, it's great to be here. It's uh, a great initiative and Thank you for including me today. Yeah, it's wonderful to catch up. And uh, you, you've got an amazing story. And, and, and obviously, no one's going to tell that better than yourself from being a, an elite athlete to the many hats that you wear in your business. We, we, we were talking before we, we started recording and you said you feel, feel like you're wearing about four or five different hats at the moment, which I think many people are in these times. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the Craig John story for the, for the benefit of viewers. We, we call Craig a Kiwi, which means he comes from New Zealand, but he lives in Australia now. And I'm sure he'll share a bit of background on that. Uh, thanks. So I grew up in New Zealand and, you know, like every typical New Zealander loved the sport, was very passionate about being outdoors and was quite successful by working really, really hard. So I did very well in field hockey and then triathlon through to national level and competed overseas as well. I kind of consider myself as a global citizen. I've lived in uh, five countries now uh, through Taiwan, Saudi Arabia, Thailand, and, and now in Australia. And I've been very fortunate to cover quite a few areas in sport from events to sports science, coaching right up to elite level and, and coaching a national team as well. And so quite a few different insights. And over the past few years, I've been CEO of Triathlon ACT. And in the last 12 months, I've then started to branch out where I work there a couple of days a week and then run my own business, as you mentioned before, called Energy to Perform. And I focus a lot on helping influencers and transforming them into being high-performing leaders, whether that be a coach, whether that be an event director, could even be a mum, but quite often it's around leaders and CEOs. And I just love the space of helping them improve their well-being and performance and thinking about being a high performer rather than just someone who is teaching someone or telling someone what to do or, or trying to lead. It's how can you be a high performing leader? Fantastic. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about leadership later on. But what's the current situation where you are in, in Canberra in, in relation to COVID and events and, and what's happening in the industry? So happening in Canberra right now is we're starting to go back to, you know, you're allowed to exercise in groups of 10 or form groups up to 10, still with the 1.5 meter physical distancing rule. And so now we're seeing swimming pools open up. Uh, they're, they're having their own challenges where one of the pools went live on Saturday. Uh, they put out a note on Friday lunchtime and they had a wait list of over 500 people and a backlog in their emails and phone. So they probably didn't think through it as well as they should have in looking at, okay, can we actually put an online booking system in to take away the whole need to be replying to emails and phone messages? So a great lesson learned there. Uh, but I know hearing back from people who had the opportunity to go and swim, they're really grateful. So they're going 50 minutes per lane and then you're out and there's a 10 minute changeover and you've got a, there's no changing room. So you need to be dressed when you arrive and it's strict you're in and out at those times. So I know a lot of grateful people who are feeling a bit sore today after <laughs> doing a 15, 50 minute session. Uh, I think running and cycling now, I think most people are going pretty much back to normal, obviously trying to, day social distancing and uh, it's slowly phasing out over the next couple of weeks and there's talk in different states around Australia that they're going to be going back to events 
um, say Northern Territory are looking at events from June. So they're very close to full spectators and number of athletes, whereas other states are, you know, may only be gatherings of 10 right now. So it's quite different, but we are hearing some really good things from governments in different states over the last few days around that we aren't too far away from increasing the numbers in most states across the country. That's fantastic. I mean, the situation's been hugely controlled in, in Australia, hasn't it? I was speaking to Dave Budge, who you know well this morning, and he was saying, like, they've got two active cases in, in Western Australia at the moment. So, you know, Australia, Australia, obviously, with its isolation, in, in a really good position to potentially be opening events up, which is fantastic for the industry and fantastic for people. I mean, I think what, you know, you've just shared 500 people wanting to swim. You know, this is, you know, people want to get out. They want to be active. They want to be part of it, don't they? Yeah, they really do. And, and I think we're not probably too far away from the borders opening up between New Zealand and Australia. I think we'll probably see that a bit earlier than we initially thought. You know, the thinking was around Christmas time, but I think we could see this maybe in August, September as they go, oh, well, we've got it pretty much under control in both New Zealand and Australia. So let's open up the border so we can get tourism working. Yeah. Um, and that will help the flow of people. People still want to travel. People want to see their family. There's uh, obviously lots of New Zealanders living in Australia and vice versa. And that's an easy bubble, extended bubble they can create. Uh, so hopefully that then allows a little bit more and then the events will come somewhere a little bit following that, I think. So they're, they're kind of the two areas that we see will be the last frontiers of the COVID-19 kind of restrictions coming off. That's fantastic. And, you know, lots of people have gone through many challenges and starting to come out the other side. What, what's some of the, the biggest challenges you've gone through over the, over the last uh, few months whilst you've been in this situation with COVID-19, Craig? From a triathlon point of view, we were at the end of the season. So it was more thinking about next year. How are we going to change budget? How many members are we potentially going to lose? What is the effects going to be on events? How do we model it out? So like everyone else, a lot of financial modeling. And at the same time, we're looking at, okay, membership offerings. Do, is our membership value relevant right now? So we've had to think around the relevancy of value through every stage of this. And so that's, that's changing quite rapidly at the moment for everyone. You know, it doesn't matter what business you're in, your value that you offer your clients or your members needs to be relevant right now. Not what it was three months ago and not what it's going to be in five years. It's what is it right now? Because that will be the make or break whether you retain and recruit new clients or members. So I think that's important to note. From my own business point of view, uh, this, kind of, this kind of space accelerates me and I feel really comfortable when it's chaotic and things are moving fast and there's the opportunity to pivot really quick. So for me, my own business hasn't been affected negatively at all. And I've had the, you know, I'm very fortunate to create some opportunities that I was looking at doing later in the year and fast forward them. So as we were speaking offline before, we've got the first ever World Endurance Coaching Business Summit, which will take place on the 27th of June. So within a space of 10 weeks, we're going to put on a first ever conference. It's all live um, in a very unique format where it's 20 speakers, 20 minutes each on one day uh, on a virtual summit. And it, it's just, oh, I'm loving it. Like I'm thriving in it. <laughs> yeah, that's, pre that's pretty obvious. We've caught, up, we've caught up quite a few times in lots of other initiatives. You've just finished a, a, an eight-week eight session of webinars, bringing coaches together. Um, and, and yeah, congrats, that, that great pivoting around that. And I think 
you know, part of that obviously is about being focused and being very clear. It is what you want to achieve. And you, you had that focus. And what, what you say is you've kind of fast tracked that. You, you spoke earlier about being relevant to triathletes. I mean, what, what are some of the ways that you've ensured that you, you, you've managed to remain relevant or, or, or give a relevant offering? Because I think that's so valuable to, to, to all the listeners in this all over the world. Many people are wrestling with, with how do we ensure that we're, we're relevant and you know, how have you gone about ensuring that you are relevant? Good question. At the beginning, there was lots of discussion around whether we needed to change price and, and whether that was determined or not. Price is, is generally not the decision maker when people purchase things. It's all about value. And so we've swung it in that sense. So we're still working through those aspects. We have quite a complex structure here in Australia. We've got eight states and a national body, and we're all trying to do things collectively. So lots of different opinions uh, when it comes to value. What do people value? And there's still a lot of mindset around how a normal membership looks and versus those that have got the real entrepreneurial forethought to or foresight to see, okay, well, how can membership look in the future? How can we take stuff from fitness? Uh, how can we take membership from different areas and, and look at how do we redesign it and repurpose it? I think what's going to be really important is people want education. So they want to learn. So I think we'll start to see more digital products come available. And obviously that is absolutely crucial right now. You, you cannot survive at the moment in whatever industry you're in if you're not digitally visible. And so how do you position yourself to be visible? Because yes, you might still have your current clientele who know you, but you're not out in the public space as much as you normally are, especially for events. I mean, you're not being seen. So if you don't have a digital presence, then people aren't going to find you when the new wave, when the upswing occurs in the next few months, because there's going to be a whole lot of new people looking to get into endurance events. Uh, we've seen a lot of people go through a reflection phase where they're thinking around, you know, there's more to life than just work. There's more to life than just my business. And you know what? I, I'm actually enjoying this bit of recovery, but I've realized I've maybe put on some weight or I'm not as healthy as I'd like to be. And then they start thinking, okay, well, how can I set some goals that allow me to be healthy and enjoy things? So that's, so there's going to be a lot of new people coming into events or for coaches for, um, to, to allow them to set those goals. And you need to be prepared for the upswing because at the moment they don't know how to contact you if you're not digitally visible. Uh, and that's the key. You need to think about what things are people searching for that are relevant and relatable to the work or to, to your offering. So if you offer an event, people at the moment are still searching for certain things. Like there's virtual is a word a lot of people are using. So how can you tie that into the wording you use on your website or the wording you use in your content online in social media posts? That's the real key thing at the moment. Yeah, some great tips there. Thank you. And, and, and you know, obviously needing to show leadership in that and your business is about leadership. I'd, I'd love to, you know, get some insights into, you know, leaders that have inspired you at this stage, some great leadership decisions that you've seen being made, you know, not only in Australia, but around the world, just a couple of great leadership examples in this time. Leadership during this space. So there's probably about 10% of people that have a real entrepreneurial mindset that we're seeing who pivoted fast and who have been really successful during this time. Yes, they might have lost some money, but they've actually been quite successful. And they know that, yes, we might lose a bit now, but the way we've set up, we're going to really thrive in the future and we're going to be, we are already ready for the upswing. And so what we noticed is 
that people that made a decision quickly, so they pivoted, made a decision really quickly on what they're about to do and clearly articulated that. Those people that did that, people bought in really quickly because 90% of the world were running around like headless chickens, unsure what to do, really, really lost. And if you just provided some clarity, that gave them hope. And if you give people hope, they will buy into what you're doing. Uh, and so those people that did that are thriving. Um, so, you know, we're seeing that if you look at governments, for instance. So yeah. Jacinda Ardern, very, very good at this, being able to see what's happening, make a decision quickly, and provide real clarity on what the decision is. If it's right or wrong, doesn't really matter, as long as there is clarity. And yes, we're going this direction, because then people know where they're heading. People, people don't like it when they don't know where the destination is. And Such so a great point, isn't it? You, you make all the decisions in the world and if you communicate them badly, uh, you know, what could have been a good decision ends up being a bad decision. Yeah, that's right. And if you do make a mistake, you just go, yep, it didn't work, but we're now going to choose this direction rather than just sitting on the couch going, hmm, I don't know what to do now. And, and so I think we saw that happen really well in countries like New Zealand. We saw it happen very well in Taiwan. Uh, from a business point of view, we have seen um, some areas really flourish, become out of necessity. So the bike industry are loving it right now. Yeah. Um, we're seeing uh, you know, some other industries who have just been able to get their opportunities just supported what they do, those that were already online. Uh, I, I suppose I can't go into too much detail, but I have someone I work with in the hospitality industry. And what was pretty amazing is they have four cafes. They also have a wholesaling aspect. They lost in the first two weeks, 80% of their revenue. Within two weeks, they were back to 50%. Two weeks later, they were back to 30%. That's without opening, they had four cafes. That's without opening any of the cafes to allow people to go in. So they, thought about really innovative ways that they could do takeaways, how they could deliver meals, how they could um, improve their wholesaling operations, how they could get cheaper rates to ship overseas. Um, and it's incredible the innovation that occurred inside of there. But that leader was very clear on the direction we're going, pivoted fast, showed energy uh -huh. and gave hope. And everyone got on board and it's just amazing to see where that company's going. So they, in, in the industry where most people are losing massive amounts of money right now still, they are earning money. Like they're putting money in the bank. Wow, that's a great story. And, uh, and as always, time flies. Love, love, to, love to move on to something inspiring. You've obviously, in, in the game that you've been in, you've seen so much inspirational, both pre-COVID and now, but an inspiring story to leave the, the viewers on, please? Yeah. I think for me, it's watching the people that are now taking time for their family and you're seeing them going out for a walk. We're seeing so many people on the mountain bike trails with their kids. Now we're seeing people taking hikes with them. The areas that used to be um, coming, I suppose, blissful as a cyclist or a runner where you pretty much had it all to yourself are now flourishing with all these people. It's kind of frustrating in a way uh, from a selfish point of view, but, if we look at it from a global sense, just the number of people that are out there being active. And, and to me, that has been really inspiring. And as we come through the upswing for events, 
you're going to have a whole lot of new people out there. It's just getting through that phase of how do we run events with restrictions. But if we can manage that well, there is so many new people out there ready to come into your event. So I think that's a big positive for us. That's wonderful. And, and like you say, families together, which is, you know, one of the parts I have always loved about events is I've been involved in many events that have had kids elements to them. And it's, you know, one of my highlights is seeing parents running along next to their kid on a tricycle or, or, or you know, I participate in the Standard Chartered Singapore Marathon Kids Dash with my little boy. I've done it for five years and it's one of the highlights of my year. So I think we're going to get lots of that happening. Craig, as, uh, as always, just uh, so fantastic to catch up. We could talk for hours. Uh, love all the great stuff you're doing. All the very best with your, your new virtual summit and uh, look forward to staying in touch. Thanks so much for making the time. You're welcome, Chris. Thank you very much for your generosity and kindness to the whole mass participation world community. Thank you.